George Washington owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Did Abraham Lincoln own slaves? We'll find out when we come back on Civil War Talk Radio. On Sound Authors, you can expect the unexpected. Kent Gustafson, Ph.D., author, publisher, professional musician, and now talk radio show host, will not only entertain you, but with new books and guest authors from around the world, will interview talented, independent musicians showcasing their fresh new music. Plan to join Dr. Kent and friends each Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on World Talk Radio Studio A. Sound Authors, where authors sound off. What's it like? What's it like? It's lonely. It's really lonely. I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I'm surrounded by other people, but it's not the same. I've got other people around me, but it's not the same. It's pretty scary, but I don't let it rattle me. It's scary around here, but I don't let it rattle me. You always have to watch your back. There's no one to watch my back. I spend my whole day worried who's out to get me. I'm always wondering who's out to get me. But I can take care of myself. But I can take care of myself. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. It's not like I have a choice. It's not like I have a choice. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. Go to jail for a gun crime and your family serves a sentence with you. Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows! Said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors! Said the second. Let's look for a swing set! Said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadilocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors, cried the second. I hope it has a bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org, and from energyhog.org she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy, and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org, or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you from the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. Today, talking about my own book, Did Lincoln Own Slaves? and other frequently asked questions about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, we might start with the title question, but if I answer that, you won't want to buy the book and find out. Uh, so maybe we should leave it at that. No, let's not. Did Lincoln own slaves? Well, of course not. Uh, everyone listening to this show uh, already knows that. Uh, Lincoln was born in Kentucky, which was a slave state. But he left the state when he was seven years old in 1816, too young to own property of his own, and moved from there to Indiana, a uh, free territory that became a state uh, shortly thereafter, and then lived his adult life in Illinois, a free state, and finally uh, 
because last few years were spent in Washington, D.C., where slavery was legal, but as president, at least when he moved there, it was, I should say. But as president of the United States, he was hardly about to uh, start investing in slaves at that moment in his career. So, no, Lincoln did not actually own slaves in any uh, outright manner. And that uh, gave me some pause uh, as a title question for the book. People do really ask it. I have been asked the question more than once. Um, if you've read Tony Horwitz's uh, very entertaining book, Confederates in the Attic, uh, you may remember the scene where he's in a high school, uh, I think he's in Alabama in a high school classroom, and the students there, uh, most of them African-American, are insisting that Lincoln had owned slaves. They, they know it. It's part of their folk knowledge, uh, in spite of him telling them otherwise. It's, a, uh, it's not a question one heard a lot, but I've, I've had other people uh, in the field tell me they hear it now occasionally. And if anything, it seems to be growing, uh, which is odd given the flood of Lincoln material coming out as we approach the 200th anniversary of Lincoln's birth. Why would this non-fact about Lincoln be more popular than ever before? I think the reason for that has to do with... Uh, much more with our, ourselves in society today than, than with Lincoln himself. Uh, first of all, you have the, the iconoclastic attitudes uh, that we have, the, the hero-worshipping of, of elementary school textbooks of the past is no longer in fashion, in education, or in uh, anywhere, really. So we tend to look for our heroes uh, to have flaws. And as I mentioned during the introduction to this segment, uh, George Washington did own slaves. And Thomas Jefferson certainly owned slaves, did more than just own them, uh, as, as we now know. Therefore, if these great heroes of freedom owned slaves, then surely the greatest hero of freedom, Abraham Lincoln, must have been even the biggest hypocrite. He must have owned slaves, too. Uh, it's not true, but it, it fits a pattern. The the desire, maybe desire is not right, the right word, the, the, the suspicion, let's say, that Lincoln owned slaves uh, also has a lot to do with the backlash against Abraham Lincoln that we see in some quarters of the public today. Uh, there's a fairly substantial anti-Lincoln uh, uh, sentiment out there that curiously enough, comes from both sides, uh, the two extremes of the political spectrum at the same time. Uh, one end of it is from the the, the libertarian wing, uh, people like Thomas DiLorenzo, who uh, tend to view history in a very uh, instrumental sense. It, it's a, a grab bag of facts you can select from uh, in order to prove a point, not to try to reach a, a view of, of, of historical truth or historical accuracy, but to start from a pre, pre-established political viewpoint and then choose the facts that suit that. Um, and one of the, the pre-established viewpoints that, that he and his followers hold is that Lincoln was responsible for the growth of the federal government um, and that, therefore, anything you don't like about the federal government today ought to be blamed on Abraham Lincoln uh, 150 years ago. It's not uh, a historically credible argument, but it, it has some political legs, and it requires those who hold it to do something to discredit Lincoln's 
success in ending slavery in America, because even those uh, on the far extreme uh, of anti-Lincolnism don't want slavery reestablished, or at least they won't say so. So how do you discredit Lincoln as, uh, uh, as the emancipator? Well, you uh, insist that he, he didn't really care about African Americans, that all he wanted to do was expand the federal government, and emancipation was not uh, his true interest, rather it was raising the tariff. Um, the more one explains about the argument, the sillier it gets, but we'll, we'll leave that aside for now and just say that the point is uh, Lincoln wasn't the black man's friend, according to this view. From there, as long as you're going to deal in mistruths and distortions, it's not too big a step to say, and he even owned slaves. The other anti-Lincoln attack one hears today uh, comes from, from a different political extreme and is best summarized in the work of Lerone Bennett, whose book, uh, uh, what was it, Forced into Glory, that's the title, Forced into Glory, subtitled Abraham Lincoln's White Dream, is an attack, again, on the image of Lincoln as the great emancipator. It's a book that argues that Lincoln was not interested in black freedom, uh, that whatever steps he took toward it were were tardy and uh, reluctant and not born of his true wishes. Uh, Bennett does not make the far-fetched argument that Lincoln was interested in uh, expanding the federal government for, for whatever reason, uh, but rather that he was just a, a politician like all politicians, interested in his personal career and his success, and uh, not at all interested in emancipation, but simply adopting it when it became impossible not to. Bennett, unlike DiLorenzo, has actually read everything Lincoln ever wrote and uh, shows a thorough knowledge of it. And his book, uh, while I think it, it's quite wrong-headed, uh, does advance the field in some interesting ways. It does show a backwards view of Lincoln. Uh, at one point, Bennett makes, I think, a very interesting argument that traditional historians have always assumed whenever Lincoln said anything good about emancipation, he was telling the truth. Whenever he said anything bad about it uh, in his debate with Stephen Douglas, when he insists he is not in favor of civil or political rights for Negroes, in his famous letter to Horace Greeley, when he says, if I could save the Union without freeing any slaves, I would do that. Uh, whenever Lincoln speaks that way, he's being political, he's uh, being tactical, he's doing it to get his bigger issue through. What Lerone Bennett does is say, well, let's turn that around. What if every time he spoke that way, he was telling the truth? And every time he said something like, it's my wish that all men everywhere could be free, that's when he's dissembling. That's when he's just talking politically. If you interpret Lincoln that way, you come up with a really fascinating, bizarro Lincoln who, who is completely consistent through his whole career uh, as history's greatest racial events liar. Uh, it, it's not accurate. I don't think it's true. But it's fascinating how much it echoes the Lincoln apologist view, uh, just the other side of it. Uh, I would argue the truth is in neither extreme, as is almost always the case historically, but it's an interesting view that Bennett proposes. Well, between these two anti-Lincoln views, you get support that does not necessarily claim Lincoln literally owned slaves, 
but weakens the ideal of Abraham Lincoln as the great emancipator. It makes it possible for this idea to stick in the public mind. When I decided to use that title for the book, Did Lincoln Own Slaves?, I did have some thoughts about whether even putting such a title on a book would be giving credence to uh, the question, would be giving it more weight than it deserves. Uh, It's a question that comes up uh, not infrequently in historical discourse. Several years ago, the editors of North and South Magazine invited me to engage in a written debate with Thomas DiLorenzo, and I had to think about it quite a bit, whether sharing space would give too much uh, credibility to views uh, that he has expressed that that no serious historian would consider adopting. Somewhat like the, the, the tactics of those who would deny the Holocaust to insist on equal time, or those who uh, argue that uh, the creationism is uh, scientifically as valid as evolution, as a scientific explanation, uh, and should get equal time not in uh, religious texts, but in science texts as well. Uh, if you agree to have such debates, then... Uh, it, it weakens the whole nature of, of, of the debating mechanism. If the flat earth people and the round earth people are treated as equally intellectually valid, uh, the flat earth people have just won a huge victory for an absurd theory. And so it was with with, uh, with Thomas Taylor. And so I, I did conclude to go ahead and, and engage in this. You can find it, I think it's volume seven, number one of North and South Magazine, if you want to go and read it yourself. Uh, because of the the counter argument is if you don't engage in these debates then uh, then you leave the the stage open to the extremes and uh, that seemed equally unpalatable so i had the same question with the book title do i put this really unpalatable question up front uh, at the risk of of having someone glance at it and go oh yeah of course he did and and or or worse still assume that i thought he did but i think it is a question worth recognizing, or rather it's worth recognizing the existence of the question, uh, that there are people out here who think this way, that it needs to be engaged by historians uh, just because it's a wrong view or or uh, an unlikely view is not a reason to ignore it. And indeed, the the entire historical profession over the last uh, 20 or 30 years, uh, or even longer now, has too frequently abdicated uh, its public role and engaged in, in professional uh, infighting and, and writing of, of increasingly obtuse monographs uh, that can only be read by others in the same field uh, with any hope of understanding instead of writing for the general public. Uh, Lincoln himself uh, said in, in discussing uh, uh, racial issues once that uh, a feeling, I'll paraphrase, I don't remember the exact quote, but uh, a uh, feeling held by the, the great mass of the people cannot be disregarded, uh, whether it's wrong or right. Uh, this was uh, an excuse he was making for his view that, that civil rights should not be granted to African Americans uh, in the years before the Civil War because the great mass of white Americans would not stand for it. And while it's not an excuse for allowing rampant majoritarianism, 
uh, it is politically realistic. If many people think it, uh, historians would do well to uh, to discuss it in the case of this particular question. Staying with it one more moment, did Lincoln own slaves? There are some... Uh, the question's not quite as ludicrous uh, for, for those who are historically informed as it might seem at first blush. Uh, Alan Gelzo and others have done some very interesting research into this question uh, to point out that the Lincolns did have, uh, if not slaves, they did have servants. Most middle-class families in their era had servants to help run the household. Mary Lincoln certainly needed help when she was uh, left alone for weeks at a time as Abe rode the circuit, making money for the family. Well, a servant is not a slave, uh, but a servant is less free economically than a family member. For that matter, uh, Mary Lincoln is less free than Abraham Lincoln. She's not his slave, but she can't vote. Uh, the Lincoln children are less free than Mary Lincoln. They, they can't do things without the parents' permission. They're not slaves, but they're not fully free either. There are gradations of freedom across a, a wide spectrum, and there were people in the Lincoln household with less freedom than others. And at the farthest extreme, you have, uh, uh, as I mentioned, these the servants. Mary Lincoln was not particularly uh, good at household management. Uh, her temper caused her to drive off uh, the people who would be hired to work in the home, in particular the uh, uh, well, well, the various people, uh, often of Irish descent, girls, uh, immigrants from Ireland who, who would work uh, as domestic servants. There were also black servants in the Lincoln home at different times, and one of them, uh, named Ruth Burns Stanton, uh, gave an interview in 1894 when she talked about her service for the Lincolns uh, over 50 years earlier. There's a possibility under some wrinkle of Illinois law that ended slavery but reduced, uh, but gave former slaves a, a sort of apprenticeship status for a time being before their absolute freedom kicked in when they became adults. Um, it's possible that Stanton was one of these apprentices at the time she worked for the Lincolns. And she was not apprenticed to their family, but to a different family, uh, the Bradfords, who lent her services to Mary uh, once a week to help clean the house. Now, if the Lincolns paid a salary to the Bradfords rather than directly to Ruth Stanton, then they weren't hiring her, they were renting her. And she wasn't a slave, she was an apprentice, but now we're getting pretty close to the line. So the question is not totally ridiculous. Mary Lincoln's family certainly was a slaveholding family, the Todds uh, of Kentucky. So the question's worth thinking about. Well, there are lots of other Lincoln questions worth thinking about. We'll take a short break here, come back in a minute, and talk more about the question, uh, the questions about Lincoln, did Lincoln own slaves, and other frequently asked questions about Abraham Lincoln. When we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. 